Let's preach you from Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. What could be in Leviticus 24, 1 through 4 that could possibly be relevant to us? All right. Stand with me for the reading of the word. Light of the world. Light of the world is the title. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually outside of the veil of the testimony. In the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be charged of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually, and it shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would just right now, Lord God, as we sit at your feet, Jesus, that you would teach us your word. That, Lord, you would, Lord, enlighten us, illuminate our souls. And like that candelabra that lit up, Lord, the holy place, may you, Lord Jesus, the light of the world, light up the temple, Lord God, that is our bodies. And ignite and, Lord God, illuminate all parts of our soul, our mind, our hearts, our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to show you a, a, video, a couple of videos here, and um, you may be wondering, why is he showing us this? Sometimes I just come across things that may have nothing to do with the message, and I want to show it to you. But this, just, boy, if, if you... Um, if you're a little queasy with things, um, this one you may want to just close your eyes because it is a horrific video of a man standing on the beach who is basically eaten by a great white whale, um, an orca. So I just want you to see it, though, because I'm, I'm going to make a point tonight. I'm going to make actually a couple of points tonight with this. So I want you to see this. Believe it or not, watch this. really horrific, right, of somebody who would, I mean, his wife is screaming as, um, as that happens. And I want to show you another video. And um, this was a, a few months ago, and I want you to look at this real carefully because you probably have seen a lot of things on the internet that, um, about this. And um, there's been some things on the dark web I know if you're not on the dark web, and there's some things that a couple of whistleblowers and the CIA have come out and um, revealed some things. So the government is covering this up, but I want you to—I just want you to look at this at, at this video. And um, that's the moon, and I, I may even stop it a few times. I want you to notice. Look at see that white thing coming towards it up in the right-hand corner. Now watch this, and this is this is a real video. And watch what happens when it hits the moon. Made a mushroom cloud. There's, there's pictures you can find all over the internet of this from many different angles that people were seeing all over the world when this happened. And um, that's basically that's basically you know it. Now there's a CIA whistleblower who claims that there is a, I mean, whatever you want to make it out to be, they said that this was a rocket 
some sort of rocket or device that was fired from behind Mars. And whether it's one of the nations on the Earth or little green men, but there was a picture that was circulated by the CIA whistleblower that this appeared on TV screens to world leaders throughout the world saying that by July 1st, if this world does not surrender, they will come and take over the world. And I don't know if you've seen that. So um, I wanted to share that with you uh, tonight. Because you know what I want to talk to you about tonight? I want to talk to you about the battle between light and darkness. I want to talk to you tonight about the war of truth and lies. By the way, the um, entire first video was a complete fake. Complete fake. No, he wasn't eaten by an orca. That was a, a company, a pencil company from the Dominican Republic that made a commercial. That's a TV commercial. And what they did was, it's a, it's a pencil, and the kid picked up, or the guy picked up a pencil, and he was yelling out, pencil, pencil. I don't know if you could pick it up in Spanish. And when the orca eats him later in the commercial, and I didn't show you that part, comes out and it says, not everybody who finds a pencil is lucky. <laughs> and it says, but our pencils will make you lucky. But it's a fake. It's a fraud. And um, by the way, when I first saw it, I first caught me and I said, oh, that's horrible. Guy got eaten by an orca, but it's a fake. The second video was real. But no, there's no rocket from Mars. And you know what that was that hit the moon? It's space debris. So there's all this space debris out there. So you have um, satellites floating around, pieces of satellites. You have, when, when we shoot rockets into, the, into space, right? You have all the different areas that basically break away. They're all over. They're, they're all over. Every once in a while they fall to Earth. And um, people are warned that it may come down on your house. But um, that was space debris that hit the moon and created this tremendous, like, mushroom cloud. I guess it could shut up a bunch of dust. But um, I want to talk to you about, again, the, the war of the truth and lies. And why do I want to share this with you from Leviticus chapter 24, 1 through 7? Because it's the candelabra. And what is the candelabra typology of? Yeshua, the light of the world. And what is light a metaphor for? truth. What is darkness a metaphor for? Lies, deception. So I just want to, I want you to see something. In, in our battle, every day, we battle against three things. We battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we battle against the devil, right? Uh, John chapter 8, he was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of lies. He is the, the, the fabricator of lies. He is the master of darkness, the master of deception. He comes as an angel of light, but he deceives, he lies, he cons, and we battle against him every day, right? We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in the in the Right? In the high places. And then we battle against the world. What is the world? The world is the dominion under Satan. 
So again, when it talks about the world, it's not talking about the Greek word is cosmos. It's not talking about nature. It's not talking about the trees or the mountains. It's talking about the world that is under Satan's dominion. This is a great picture. World rulers, entertainment, world organizations, religion, politics, business. Much of it, okay, much of it controlled by Satan. It's the world. You can see that. You can see that with, I mean, you see it with woke with all the corporations that support these lies. And then there is a much more personal battle that we fight. Okay, so you have Satan. Okay, you have the world. It is the flesh. Okay, the sarks in the Greek, the sinful nature. And uh, it says in, in Romans 7.25, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. And that is a battle. And that is, that is true of every one of us, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. We have this part of us, right, that can be dark, that can be incredibly selfish, that can be greedy, that can be sinful. So, right, we, we do this, and, and, this, and this is a battle. We, we need to fight with this every day. What does the Scripture say? Romans 3, I think it's Romans 3, 3, let God be true and every man a liar. Men lie. I think you look at you look at the history of the world. It's lies, 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 and um, I think that's that that that's key to see. So we, we we fight this battle against the flesh, and as we fight this battle against the flesh, it's bringing ourselves into a place of honesty, transparency, and you have to be first honest with yourself if you're going to be honest. You have to then become honest with God. And then you will become honest with other people. But if you're not honest with yourself, and people just, you know, they just, they lie to themselves until they believe the lies. They're not lying to God. But it takes tremendous humility to come into a place of transparency. And that is coming into the place of truth. You ever hear people, and I, I hear this, I've heard this for years, and counseling with, there's two sides to the, you know, there's two sides to the story. There's not! That's a, that's a lie. There's, there's, there's only one side to the story, and that's truth. <laughs> there's not two sides. There's one side, and that's truth. And um, that's where we are to be, people of truth. And our yes is to be yes, and our no is to be no. Now, let's look at our text. What does all this have to do, again, with Leviticus chapter you know, 24, verses 1 through 4? First, you have the oil. And so in Leviticus chapter 24, 1 and 2, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. What is oil, again, a typology of in the scriptures? The Holy Spirit, right? And so when you, when you see, again, the, the concept of anointing, Okay, you'll see the anointing of the oil, the anointing of the Spirit. Look at, look at the Lord, Yeshua's ministry, Luke chapter 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? He walked into the synagogue in Nazareth. He opened up the scroll of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He anoints. In the Old Testament, you have three, okay, positions that God calls us to, that the leaders were anointed. What are the three positions? Priest, 
prophet, king, right? So the Aaron, the priest, was anointed, okay? Elisha, the prophet, was anointed. Where is there a clear picture of a king being anointed? David, right? By, by Samuel, right? He anointed, he anointed David. Well, Yeshua, Yeshua is, right? He is our high priest. He is our king, okay? And he is our prophet, right? He is the very prophetic word. He is the word of God. In, in Matthew chapter 3, 16 through 17, you see where Yeshua received this anointing, okay? Where was it? At his baptism. That was his anointing of power. So in, in Matthew chapter 3, it says, And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and it lighted upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That is the essential right place where Jesus received that anointing of power, the beginning of his ministry. So since Jesus had the Spirit in him at all times, but at that, at that moment is when he received that in parent. That was like the, that's our, our, our baptism of the Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing the heal and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was, was with him. How did Jesus do the miracles? He did them through the Spirit. He, he lived as a, as a man. It talks about the kenosis in, you know, in Philippians chapter 2. He, he chose not to use his divine power. It was always there. Right? It was always there. But he chose just not to use it. And how did he do the miracles through the Spirit? He, he gave us, again, a great example of how we are to live through the anointing. Now, he was God. <laughs> We're not. And he had no sin, and we do. So, you know, nobody has ever been able to walk as, you know, as Jesus walked. But um, he still gives us that same anointing, okay, for us to be able to do his ministry. And First John chapter 2.20, and there are many passages I could refer to, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. We have the same anointing of oil that would illuminate our lives and empower us, and equip us to be the people that God has called us to be. Okay, number two, keep it burning. Notice in uh, verse 3, Outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. And Aaron and the priest, they had the responsibility to keep the candelabra burning continuously. And we have a responsibility to keep the fire burning, to keep the light right illuminating in our lives continually. So look at, look at Mark chapter 7.37, something about Jesus. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. You know, just, I look at the, the passage. He continuously did everything. The word well is it's about he did everything with excellence. Do you ever notice that about Jesus? He wasn't, he wasn't hot and cold. He was, he was never flaky. He didn't have to turn it on, turn it off. He was always consistent. There was always this, this, this continuity from moment to moment in Jesus. The fire just continued to burn. Not true of, of many people in the church who can get on fire one day and be totally smoldering and burned out the next. So we, we have a responsibility to keep the fire burning. Let's learn. Let's learn from the Master. 
How did he do it? Just little, little things that we see in the scriptures that Jesus did that basically put him in a place for that, you know, that, that fire to just continuously burn. And I'll tell you, if he did these things, what of us? Right? He's God. We're not. He was sinless. We are. So Mark chapter 135, this is when I first started reading scripture. This verse just jumped out on me and man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. He got up you know, before, before sunlight, and he prayed. Now, I'm not telling you you have to get up at 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning. I tell you, you need to have time with God every day. I, like, you know, I think the, the morning is the best time to go to a quiet place. If he needed to do that, to get quiet and to be alone with his father and have solitude in this nutty world... Surrounded by nutty people. Have you, have you had that experience of late? Nutty people in this nutty world. You need to break away from them. And you need to go to a quiet place. And you need to commune with God. And let God speak to your heart. And let God, you know, let God really you know, enlighten you. And renew you. You know, just revive you. And we need that every day. And again, Jesus gives that, us, uh, that example. I think this is, again, this is one of the things Jesus was doing. He kept that, that fire going in Matthew chapter 4, 1 and 2. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. He fasted. You know, I, I, I was teaching on fasting a few months ago. To me, fasting, you know, you know what is it? It is to break away from the material things. And it could be food. Or it could be this thing. Or it could be a computer. Or it could be the television. Or it just could be from people. And go to a place where you can just get alone with God. Get alone with God for, for, for hours. Possibly for day, for days. And just be with God. And again, if Jesus, if Jesus did that, I think again he gave us an example that we should be doing it. Luke 4.16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read. Notice that it was his custom to go where? To go into the synagogue on the Sabbath. By the way, that was Paul's custom too. Right? We, we don't celebrate, okay, though we should always acknowledge the Sabbath because on that day we acknowledge the creation of God. Every Saturday I always pray and basically write out a psalm of praise for the creation of God. Even when it's dark. Even when the world, you know, it's covered with snow. It's nice now. He's sitting outside every morning and the birds are tweeting and the trees are green. The flowers are blossoming and the sky for the most part is blue and the sun is shining, right? And the breeze is blowing through and it's easy to praise God for his creation on the Sabbath. But we celebrate the Lord's Day. And that should be our custom. We should not be missing, right, gathering together on the Lord's Day. That, that, that is a custom. And that is something, if Jesus, again, if Jesus had a custom like that, don't you think we should have a custom like that? Luke chapter 4, verse 4, tells us here, but Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. When Satan is tempting him to turn the, right, the rocks into bread, he, what does he do? He quotes scripture. Now, it, it doesn't show us Jesus studying the Tanakh. 
But he obviously did, and he probably was learning it from the earliest ages from Mother Mary, right? The Blessed Mother, and that's what she's called in, in Luke. And, uh, and probably going to the synagogue and learning from the rabbi and studying, right, studying Tanakh. But he, he had this working knowledge continuously of the scriptures. And again, if, if that's what he did, don't you think we need to be in the word of God every day? So there's just some simple things. Prayer, fasting, right? But, you know, being in the word, you know, the custom of worship. This, this is a custom. It's been a custom for me. I've been in the Lord for 40 years. I've been worshiping the Lord on, on Wednesday nights. I know some people can't. They're working. They have other things. They're, they're sitting in front of the television watching, you know, the game shows, whatever, you know. But, but if, if, you know, if this is something that should be a part of your life, Sunday worship should be a part of your life. It should be a regular... Cause This is what keeps the fire. Hey, once they start missing Sunday service, the fire starts to go out. Then they start neglecting the Word. The fire is going out. Then they start to neglect of prayer. And then the fire is gone. My son was going through counseling for marriage with uh, his wife, Mariah. The counselor said... A sure fire. Once the couple stops attending church together, they usually end up in divorce. That's what the counselor told them. I remember them repeating that. Repeating that. To, I did their wedding. I didn't do their counseling. They came to me. They wanted a private counseling. Because when they came to me for counseling, I said, great. I'm going to do your wedding. And uh, the first thing I'm going to cover is the sexual relationship. <laughs> I did do that to them. I did it to them. And they both were like, oh, no. <laughs> My son and his bride. So um, just the things that we need to be engaging in and doing that will keep the fire burning. We don't want the fire to burn out. I don't want the fire to burn out. Right? I, I want to finish the race strong. See a lot of people not finishing the race? See a lot of preachers not finishing the race? Or these scandals. I mean, it seems like every week there is a scandal of one of the big preachers in America who is touching a woman or is committing adultery or is doing something else. They're not finishing the race. We want to finish the race. And we want to finish the race burning brightly. I want to finish more brightly than I started. Stronger than I started. Not weaker. Okay, number three. The seven lamp uh, lampstand. Okay, this is in the holy place. You have the seven lamp candelabra. You have the table of showbread, and then you have one other thing. What was the other thing in there? All right, this is the the court of priests. Right, you have the table of showbread with the twelve loaves, and you have the candelabra on the other side. And there was one. More. What's that other important thing? Yeah, the altar of incense. You have a typology, the table of showbread, the bread of the world, right? And then you have the light of the world, the candelabra, the altar of incense. Jesus is our intercessor who makes intercession for us day and night. So, verse 4, And he shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. So here's a, a picture from the Temple Institute. Okay, of what it would, would have looked like. Seven, right? There, there are seven arms to the candelabra. 
Number seven, right? Number seven is the heptatic number. It repeats over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Right? right? Hundreds, of, hundreds of times. And it always talks about the perfection of God. So if you go to Isaiah 11.2, and in relationship to Revelation chapter 4.5, it talks in Isaiah 11.2 about the candelabra, and um, it talks about this anointing upon Yeshua. And it's really a picture of the Spirit. So I, I, I will share this. I'm going to go to Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. You can get a picture of that. You can take that. But Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. You want another shot of that? Go ahead. Oh! <laughs> spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the Lord. Spirit of fear, spirit of might, spirit of understanding. Watch, watch the prophecy of Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Okay, a branch shall grow out of his roots. Who's the rod from the stem of Jesse? David. And the branch shall grow out of his roots. What's the branch that grows out of the roots of David? Yeshua. <laughs> yeah. He is the son of David. He had the genetic, he had the, the, the DNA of David in him. Not from Matthew. Matthew's genealogy in uh, Matthew chapter 1, right? Matthew was the stepfather. He was not the biological father of Jesus. You go to Luke, it talks about the genealogy of Mary. And it comes right down to Mary's father, right, Heli. But it was essentially through the DNA of David, through Mary... That Jesus, right, carried, he carried David's genome. He carried David's, uh, you know, DNA. So it, that, that's talking about Messiah. That's talking about Yeshua. And then to watch what it says about the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, might, the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And when I've, when I've taught this, you ever need knowledge? You ever need wisdom? Understanding? Maybe you're not walking in the awe and wonder of God. Do you need the fear of the Lord? Counsel? Right? L looking at might, power? This is, like, this is the reliance and the dependence of living the Christian life. Just as Jesus lived his life through the power of the Spirit, that's how we are to live our lives. You can't live the Christian life in your own strength. You will get destroyed by the enemy. He will beat the snot out of you. He will beat the heaven out of you. And, and you, we cannot. It's impossible to live. I mean, this is, this is what... <laughs> see, you read the law. The law is a tutor to drive us to the feet of Jesus for grace, right? We, 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 we fall short, right? Take one commandment. Thou shalt not lie. Have you ever lied? We need forgiveness. We need grace. Lord, I need help to be a truth speaker and not a lie speaker. I have to come to a place of dependence upon the Lord. That's the Ten Commandments. What about the New Testament? Right? If you think and murderous thought, angry thought, you've committed murder. If you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So but now, now that, that, that just drives us all along. You can't live the Christian life. You cannot live the Sermon on the Mount. You cannot be a true, authentic follower of Jesus unless you're dependent and reliant on the Holy Spirit. 
So that is the, the Christian, the, I say this to you, the Christian life, I'm going to give you one word. It's a surrender. It's a surrender. That's, that's the Christian life. Try living it on your own. You will fumble. You will fall. You will appear like a fake. Right? People will look at you and you're a fake. You're a fake Christian. Because you, you can't live the life of Jesus, right, that he called us to, of love, of compassion, of kindness, of forgiveness, of truth, without reliance on the Holy Spirit. And boy, he's, he, he, will, he will pound that into you, folks. You, you will fail, you will be walking around discouraged, you'll be walking around frustrated. I've, I've had people come up to me and say, this doesn't work. And you're right, it doesn't. When you're doing it in your own strength, it doesn't work. One guy one time came here and he, and he said to me, if, if this doesn't start to work for me, I'm leaving the church. And he did for about 10 years. Now he's back again. He's not here tonight. But um, it wasn't working. And, and I'm looking at him and saying, it's not going to work. Because you can't do what Jesus called you to do without his spirit. And he gives us again that example. All right, last point tonight. The light of the world. So essentially, again, the candelabra is a typology of Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He is the light of the world. As we commune with him, as we walk with him, as we are in his word, not just reading it, but meditating on it, taking it, chewing it, swallowing it, digesting it, assimilating it, right? That is how he illuminates our lives. Now look at um, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. You want to be illuminated? Get into the Word. Read it, memorize it, meditate on it, and obey it. And the light and the illumination will come upon your life. You will not be walking in darkness. You will not be walking in deception. That goes for self-deception, as well as the deception that's coming out, you know, outwardly at you from the world and from the enemy. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's kind of sad. But his word in Psalm 119 and 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we, when we are walking in the light, we will know the difference between right and wrong, or good and evil. Right? Look, at, look at the world and what the world's, you know, the, the, world, the world's views, there are Satan's views, which are a direct attack against the very principles and laws of God. You know, people will stand in front of you, well, there, you know, there's, there's, what, 497 genders, right? You know, the LBGYN. O P C D community. Well, the scripture says there's only two genders. There's male and female. By the way, science says that too. But science doesn't when science doesn't fit their narrative, 
They throw it out. Have you noticed that? Hey, you, you, you got to go by the science. But now the science doesn't fit their narrative, so they don't, you know, then they just continue propagating their lies. Marriage is between a male and a female, a man and a woman. Right? Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 2. And again, what do they say? No, no, marriage can be between, you know, a, a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And I don't know, you know, there's got, you've got people marrying creatures and animals now. God says it's a man and, and a woman. But again, it, 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 it doesn't fit the narrative. So you have this darkness and all of this confusion. Right? You, see, you see what's happening in California right now. They're voting right on whether you can infanticide. You can kill a baby up until the first month after it's born. Right? Did they vote on that yet? Or did they pass it? Okay, but that, um, it's just, what does scripture say? It shows and reveals life begins at conception, right? Not, not at one month or five months or nine months or, uh, you know, after, I mean, it's just, it's, again, it's just darkness. So that you, you have people walking around, very smart people, people from Harvard and Yale, you know, they wear their glasses down at the end of their nose and they're so open-minded that their brains fell out 20 freaking years ago and they haven't realized it. These genius people are politicians in Washington. And, what, what, you know, they, they, they're there, again, just in the darkness. And I tell you, if you're not in the light, you'll fall into that. You'll, you'll, you'll fall right into it. I could, before I was a Christian, I care less. I mean, abortion, I, I, I didn't really understand it, really didn't know it. It wasn't until I began to study the scriptures, and I was reading the magazine that Jimmy Swaggart produced at the time, and he showed pictures of little babies who were aborted. And I became a pro-life person instantly. I got on my hands and knees in my bedroom, and I prayed that I, I, would, I would take a stand against this evil. But the light, the light shined and, you know, shone on my life. And I've, you know, t- I've taken that, that stand. But that's, this again, this is, this is darkness. Darkness confuses. Darkness blinds. Darkness deceives. Coming at us again from Satan, from the world, and again from our own flesh. John chapter 3, 18 through 21. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you understand what that says? The world is condemned. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done of God. So what do people do? When you're walking in the light, when you are a person who is illuminating the light, they don't like you. They're going to run. They're going to hide. Or they're going to attack you. But people love darkness. They don't want their sins exposed. We have to be careful in the church that we don't become like that. Because Christian people and people in the churches can be some of the most hypocritical people in the world. And they're basically just living. They're living in darkness instead of living in the light. 
So we, we need to be true. Again, we need to allow God to expose us. We need to allow God to bring us to a place of transparency, standing before him, that we become true to ourselves and to him in our relationship. Then we could walk in truth before the world. But the world is filled, again, with deception. So here, here just quickly, a, a, a quick application, right? Number one, go on being filled. Go on being filled. Keep the, you know, just go on being filled with the Spirit. That's Ephesians 5.18, right? Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in fear of God. I'm watching um, Francisco when you are praising God. I mean, you got some big hands, man. I got big hands, but you got some big hands. And I just looking at you, and it was neat because your hands were like, like right up with the screen. When you do that and you praise the Lord that way, you get filled, right? right? Just when you praise God, I was standing in the back and I'm just, I'm just praising the Lord. When you praise God, he will come, and again, he inhabits the praises of his people. You'll get, you'll, you'll get filled. There's a simple way to stay filled with the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord all day long. May the high praises of God be in your mouth, and the double-edged sword be in your hand. Psalm 149, verse 6. The second... Uh, application here is fan the flame. You got, you got to fan the flame every day. If I don't fan my flame, it's going out, folks. 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan the flame. You just got to keep fanning it. Being in the Word. Being in the church. Being in fellowship. Right? Fasting. Praying. Just doing those things, having, having you know, those, that, that routine every day. And just getting, getting God, letting God just, like, like just pour that oil on the flame and you fan the flame. Walk in the light. It's sometimes hard to walk in the light. It's hard to be honest, right? It's hard to tell the truth. We get, you know, so used to covering our, you know, we, we cover our butts, Right? You know, we, don't, we don't want people to see that we're, you know, we made a mistake or we're weak. I mean, a blessed day when Joe Zambito, who's behind the camera back there. I remember Joe, Joe was going through, he was going through some physical things. This was like two years ago. And Joe was late coming to church. And he comes like running in here on a Wednesday night at like 7.05. And, you know, so what do people do that? Oh, listen, there was a train, right? Oh, I had, I had something. Joe comes up to me and says, I fell asleep. How refreshing that was. He spoke the truth. Because people just they, just, they just lie and lie and lie to cover themselves and cover their weaknesses and failures. And Joe, that was a big failure. No, no, no. That was such a blessing that day. Did someone just tell, speak the truth? I messed up. That's all. It says in First uh, John chapter 1, 5 through 7, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. 
Walking in the light is walking in truth. It's being transparent. It's being honest with yourself, with God, and with others. And the last, abide in the word. First, uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we are abiding in his word, not really reading it or hearing it, to abide in his word is, again, to be reading his word, studying his word, meditating on his word, memorizing his word, and obeying his word. And when you are in that place where you're doing that, then you're going to walk in that truth. You're going to walk in that light. And that's going to be something that is just permeating from your life. And man, if there was ever an hour where the world needed people of truth, it's now. Because I'm telling you, just de- de- deception and lies, and it's just, it, 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 per- it permeates. Just people walking in truth amongst each other. The world needs that right now. People who will proclaim the truth. And speak the truth. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord God. You are Lord Jesus, Yeshua, our Messiah, the light of the world. And Lord, you illuminate our lives through your spirit, through your word. Lord God, just help us all. Because, Lord, we have this sinful nature in us. And Lord God, that sinful nature, it's, it, it's, it's drawn to the darkness. It's drawn to deception. It's drawn to lies. We pray, Lord God, that, Lord, you would illuminate us in a greater way tonight. You'd give us, Lord God, a a, a passion. A passion, Lord God, for your truth, for your light. To walk in it and live in it. And be, Lord God, light bearers, shining stars, as it says in Philippians, that we can illuminate the lives of other people. For it's the truth that sets them free. And Jesus, Lord, we pray this and we lift it up to you tonight in the name that is above all names, the name of Yeshua. Amen. Uh, you can stand with me. We're going we're gonna to praise the Lord here. And then what I'm going to say to you, just stay in your seats and let's just pray. Okay? Pray. Let God minister to you and bring, bring him the things. You can stand with me. Thank you, Pastor Frank. The altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray quietly or with somebody before we go into our prayer together. Let this be your prayer. Father, purify my heart.
Remove from me all that is standing in the way. Purify my heart. Cleanse me, Lord, I pray. Remove from me all that is standing in the way of your Father, for this night, for your holy, precious word, Lord, for teaching us your ways, Lord God. The desire of our hearts, Lord, is to surrender to you, to continue to grow as disciples of Jesus, to walk in your ways, Lord. And Father, we just ask that you'd help us remember, or help us to just um, <laughs> to do what we remember, Lord God, to put into practice what you've taught, in us, taught us tonight, Lord God. And Father, we just ask that you would allow us to share with others what we've learned. Truly, let it be part of our lives. And continue to open our hearts that you would lead us step by step and day by day into your presence. In Jesus' name.